We're thrilled to announce that we now have seven powerful devotionals available on YouVersion's Bible app. For those not in the know, YouVersion is the top Bible app in the world, and we're honored to be on this incredible platform. Our devotionals dive deep into the pillars that define the lion within us, health, wealth, and self. So whether you're seeking spiritual growth, financial wisdom, or personal development, these devotionals are tailor-made for you. So ready to embark on this transformative journey and unleash the lion within you? Head over to thelionwithin.us slash uversion to access our devotions on the uversion app. Join thousands of like-minded individuals and dive into the word with us. That's thelionwithin.us slash uversion. That's Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And let's grow together and become the leaders God intends us to be. Welcome to The Lion Within Us, a podcast serving Christian men who are hungry to be the leaders God intends you to be. I'm your host, Chris Granger. Let's jump in. All right, guys, it's your meet episode. I'm excited to have you here. So before we get into too far, let's look at our scripture of the week, okay? So we're in the book of Mark. We're going to look at chapter 10, verse 45. So 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So guys, go back and check out that spiritual kickoff where we unpack that. We try to give you really some good insights there around what serving others is all about and what that is really takes us down a, a true path of leadership. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that spiritual kickoff. We really enjoy doing those. Uh, they have a lot of power, a lot of value. We share the gospel on each and every spiritual kickoff episode. And we do the spiritual kickoff every day within inside of our community. So if that would be of interest to you, go head over to thelionwithin.us and check that out. Join our daily spiritual kickoff and get that little boost that you need each and every day. All right. So for this episode, I'm excited, guys. I don't know if for you guys who are watching uh, on, on, you, on YouTube, but yes, my background is a little different. I had this little red radio flower wagon behind me, and that's on purpose because I'm going to be talking today with the, the Honorable Ron Simmons, guys, and he put out this book. Life lessons from the little red wagon. So why not? We dug that out. We put, we have this up here today, but this is, but Ron has a, an incredible story. He served three terms in the House of, of Representatives for Texas. He served on the approach, on the appropriations, the transportations, the elections, the homeland security, business and industry committee, uh, committees within that Texas uh, house there, fellas. He was a co-founder and chairman and CEO of the Retirement Advisors of America, RAA. And this is a huge company, fellas, that he started. He, he Again, the things he learned along the way just been unbelievable. He's uh, He's got he, his background. He comes from those is a little bit different as well. Two school teachers that that hit humble roots. This is a self-made man who actually was very obedient to what God called him to. He's been married to his wonderful wife, Lisa, for more than 44 years. They have three children. They have Justin. They have. Uh, Daniel, who, who's actually on autism sp uh, spectrum. So they have a special needs son. And then they have Allie Beth, who is, who, who you guys may know from her podcast, Relatable, wonderful speaker out there. I love the things that Allie Beth puts out, but Ron's just a great guy. I heard him actually on the Unashamed podcast. And then not long, I think a day or two after I heard him on Unashamed, they reached out and said, Hey, would you like to have Ron come on our show? And I was like, absolutely. So it was a wonderful conversation. Lots of insights, lots of things, guys, from a leadership position. The analogy he makes with the wagon, just pay attention to that. 
Because as a leader, you, you think that you always need to be pulling the wagon. And the reality is that's just not the case. There's so many opportunities for us guys each and every day to not just be the wagon pullers. Maybe you need to push. And in some seasons of life, sometimes you got to get in the wagon and let others take the wheel. Okay. So anyway, fellas, enjoy this conversation with Ron Simmons. All right, Ron Simmons, welcome to The Lion Within Us. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, doing great. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I really appreciate it. And I really love the uh, the picture in the background, the lion within. What a what a great uh what a great analogy that can be. That's very good. We we need more lions out there, that's for sure. We definitely do. Thank you for that. And I did change my background for you YouTube watchers who who hang out with us every week. Yes, that's not my normal stack of books. I, that little red wagon is there on it intentionally. It's for this conversation. <laughs> I actually went to my daughter this morning, to my 11-year-old. I'm like, where's that little red wagon we have? I need it for an interview. She's like, why do you need a red wagon for an interview? I'm like, just trust me. Just trust me. So uh, we found it. We had to go to the attic. We found it. But it's up there, guys, because we're going to be talking about this book, Life Lessons for the Little Red Wagon. And I, this is this book, this really spoke to me, Ron. And I just, man. Thank you so much for t- taking the time to share with us. I was, we were talking before we went live. I heard you on Unashamed and, uh, yeah. I was getting ready to reach out to Al and ask him, like, I need, I need to get, uh, you know, Ron on our show and, and doggone, you, your people reached out to us. So it was just great time. I was so excited to have uh, you here. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for your kind words about the book and Al and his family are some of my favorite people. That, that's for sure. They, they speak the truth and that's just, Wonderful what they're doing. Absolutely. Salt to the earth. And, and I think you were on with your daughter, Allie Beth. And yeah, just- Allie Beth Stuckey. I was on with her. She, of course, she, uh, she has to carry me when, uh, in situations like that. She's, uh, she's a true professional and, and Al and them think a lot of her as well. Uh, her, she's doing, she just had her third baby and, uh, is doing really well. So uh, I'm excited about the new grandbaby for me and my wife, Lisa. Oh, wow. Okay. I've I, I missed that part. So that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. You bet. Thank she, you. She does amazing work, guys. If you haven't listened to Allie Best podcast, you are missing probably one of the best podcasts out there. She's just the way she unapologetically just hits the hard hitting, hard hitting issues directly and with, with truth yeah. and grace. So uh, definitely learned a lot from you, I'm sure, sir. Well, I learned a lot from her mother. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Well, this letters kind of get us going here from from this book, Life Lessons from the Little Red Wagon. Guys, I got a copy of it right here because this is a, a, just a wonderful reference here. What what led you to writing this book, Ron, with all the different things that you've accomplished in your in your career? Well, I, I think, you know, Chris, everybody gets to a point in time where they're a little bit reflective. Mm-hmm. And um, as I talk about in the book, um, I had been through the business world. And really, in some way, simultaneously in the last part, also got into the world of politics and public service. And then that ended kind of abruptly, as I talk about in the book. And that caused me uh, to be a little bit reflective about, OK, where are you in life today? What kind of look back? And then what I what I just came upon was that there were so many different times and situations in my life that. Either I would sometimes I was leading, sometimes I was being led, sometimes I was an important part of the process, but kind of behind the scenes. And, you know, I mean, as people of faith, 
you know, I, for some reason, this red wagon idea popped in my head. And, and like almost everybody, I had a red wagon when I was little. And I talk in the book about an incident that occurred uh, that caused a little pain for me physically. Uh, and it, it just I get, began to come into my mind about the different parts of the wagon and how that really uh, was a metaphor for mm. life in a lot of ways and how how that we can, especially as men, you know, we can think that our only place in any scenario is out front. Mm. And uh, that can be a mistake for sure. 100%. Because that, that jumped out to me, even when I was looking at this little wagon this morning. It's so natural for us. As, and we're speaking to a lot of Christian men, leaders out there. And they think they have to be, have that hand on the handle, right? And always out yeah. front charging forward. Or even I, I was thinking yesterday, I was driving back from somewhere and I was thinking, just preparing mentally for this conversation with you. I was like, you know what? Even from behind pushing a wagon, I think guys can get behind that you know they because sometimes we realize we just need to push we need to help others yeah i guess the one area i'm curious from your standpoint on that i'm most uncomfortable with i know a lot of leaders are is when you have to get in the wagon and 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 just let others you know do the pulling or the pushing sometimes yeah. you like you said you're the cargo and love to get your insight there on, on lessons you've learned from that position oh yeah that's a good that's a good point because I'm, I'm a lot like you as well i mean i was a you know which i, I do th- i do think there's something to this i was a middle child uh so i was kind of always looking for my place and right. looking for a difference between you know my siblings and what have you and then uh, my mom and dad went through divorce when i was in the high when i was in high school and so i was always you know, charging ahead. And I don't, there's not necessarily something wrong with that, except for if you don't realize where you are in a particular situation, you can actually lead to more destruction by leading than you could if you were learning. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, in my world, uh, when I decided I was going to go into public service, I didn't know anything about politics or anything about that other than just a, you know, probably like most people, I followed it a little bit. I voted, of course, and we donated to some political causes and people that we believed in. But I hadn't, you know, politics is just like anything else. There is a there is a uh, ground floor, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that uh, you need to know about. And so I decided that I was going to find experts in that field that I trusted through referrals of people that I trusted. And then I told them, I told my consultant, you have usually have a political consultant. I told him, I said, look, I don't know anything about this. Nothing at all. All right. Uh, I may have some ideas because I may try to transfer some of my ideas in business or in life to this, but I don't know anything. So I'm going to do everything you tell me this first time around. And so I had to crawl back in the wagon and just be a part of the cargo to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and it was, and it's hard sometimes because there are times I wanted to jump out and, Hey, I think I got this, grab the, the deal, but I resisted doing that. And I think those are the times two things could happen during those times, Chris is one, you learn, okay? So you're expanding your ability to understand things. And the other thing is, is you do get some different kind of rest. Because mm. I didn't spend my time thinking about, well, I wonder how this works or how that works or what I need to do here. I spent my time thinking about how do I enact 
what I've been told. And that's a different type of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. If you're leading, if you're holding the handle, you're having to decide, okay, where am I going? What do I do next? While at the same time you're moving forward, you have to be thinking. If you're the cargo, really all you have to do is learn and take instruction. And sometimes that provides rest for a different area of your mind and your emotions. Yeah. I, I wonder why that's so hard for us guys. Because when you just made that connection around learning and rest, that for me, that's it. Okay, I get it. I, I see what, what there's value there. And as a leader, to be able to, to lead more effectively, I need to be doing that learning. I need to be growing because you can't, if you're always pulling, you're, you're, you're having a, a tough time of growing personally. So I'm just curious, you know, was it, at that point when you've made that transition to the politics is when that was most prevalent or did you find yourself, because I know you were CEOs of a couple organizations mm-hmm. in the past as well, too. Did you find yourself being the cargo in any of those situations? That's maybe well, I, I found myself being the cargo in other situations. And one was uh, I, I had gotten to the point in my business career where I had good partners that were operating the day to day of how the company ran. So I was kind of more serving as chairman. And I um, had mentored with John Maxwell. He was a mentor of mine. And I was going to John and I was saying, John, you know, here I am. I'm, you know, at that time I was like 50 years old. You know, what am I going to do? I'm just kind of a halftime. You've probably seen the book or heard mm-hmm. of halftime. And, and he said, Ron, here's what you need to do. You need to stop. And you need to think, just spend some time and rest and think. And so that's kind of the first time that I crawled away, let go of the handle and just kind of crawled back in a wagon and just began to, he's got this book out, John does, called Thinking for a Change. And it really is about taking time, kind of every day almost, but certainly regularly and just thinking, just just thinking you know, maybe you're praying in your soul, but you're, you know, you're, you're just trying to clear everything out and just think. And mm-hmm. that's really uh, one of the key times. The other one was when, you know, we talk about this in the book as well. We have a son that has autism mm-hmm. and he also has some seizure disorder and what have you. He's an adult now. He's 37 years old. But there were so many times where as a father, that I wanted to just take that handle and run with it. Yeah. That I had to get in the wagon and either it was a Lisa and I had to jump in there and just pray and nothing else. Yeah. Or we had to say, you know what? God's led us to this particular doctor or this particular therapist. We need to let them do their work. And that was very, very probably the most difficult thing, but I did learn that there were blessings as a result of that, uh, you know, trusting in other people and trusting in God to lead you to other people. And it's hard to do that if you're the one that's trying to, okay, which road am I taking? All, you know, all that type of stuff. So those are kind of some examples of how that, you know, had worked for me. I, I love the trust word because that's so many times I feel like guys in particular to your point, when there's, there's something with our children and we're going wrong, we're trying to, to help them from a physical standpoint. It's, we want to do something. Guys just want to do something. I don't think it's an, an inherently bad thing, but we feel better when we're doing something. We feel like yeah, we're making uh, no an impact. But sometimes, People of action. Yeah, but that, at the same time, like 
the, the trust aspect, the, the trust aspect rather, that piece is big because when we're if we can't just learn to just be still, like you said, and rest, mm-hmm. and sometimes just let God, maybe God's got to be the one to pull that wagon forward for some to a season yeah, in life. Are we? It, it kind of shows us: Do we truly trust God or not? And that, that mm-hmm. just jumped out to me when you were going through that story, you know, because I know a lot yeah. of guys struggle with that. Yeah, that's they, there's no question that we struggle with that. And then, you know, it, it, we have to figure out in different at any point in time, okay, in different areas of our life, we're probably different parts of the wagon, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you you might you you most likely as the father and parent and leader of your household that you are going to be on that handle for an extended period of time. Okay. Mm -hmm. But there may be other areas, maybe it's spiritually, there's a point in, I've had many points in my life where spiritually I needed to be fed. Okay. And follow. And so I was just the rear wheels. I was just pushing forward, following, trying to follow a path that with a mentor that had, you know, laying out for me financially the same way. Just because you're you're good at your job doesn't mean you don't need a financial mentor, right? That's yeah. kind of helping you. And so therefore you probably aren't on the handle. Okay. You might be the front wheels that are that are kind of leading the rest of the people that you're responsible for, but you've also got somebody that's been down the road for you, before you, that's helping you along. Right. Absolutely. Hey, guys, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you enjoying the weekly spiritual kickoff? If so, we are now offering a way to participate in our live daily spiritual kickoffs that happen Monday through Friday in our community. This is your chance to chat with me directly and other members of our community to dive into scripture and to leave with practical ways to simplify and apply God's word to your daily walk. And here's the best part. You get all of this for just $5 a month. So for what most people pay for a breakfast meal, you can join us on this journey of spiritual growth and leadership, which will always lead you full. Our community is dedicated to supporting each other and pushing forward in our faith. Come join me in the lion's den and become the leader God intends you to be. Sign up now at thelionwithin.us and let's start this journey together. Remember, it's only $5 a month for this amazing opportunity. So visit thelionwithin.us so you don't miss out. So, Ron, to, to, to that point, though, I mean, I, when you said, you know, uh, I was thinking immediately around finance. It's like, for me, that's an area where, yes, I, I've done some training, but it's in, in other areas, that's where I, I, I go to others, to experts in those fields to help me make the best decisions. You know, that's not really where I'm trained. Like if I'm sick and I don't feel good, I don't do a self-diagnosis. Sometimes I, yeah. you go to the doctor, you pay for that expertise because so, you, you trust the training. And I just think so many times we try to, to just push through or bootstrap it or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it from a man's standpoint, where we, we think that that's a sign of weakness that we need to go to others for help or insight. You mentioned spiritual help and insight. It's too many times I see guys who are afraid to ask any questions in a church or a spiritual setting because they don't want to think that, oh, yeah. you know, to look, to look bad or anything like that. So what would you yeah. say to guys in those, in those situations? Yeah. Well, I have, I, what I try to tell guys is uh, there's two things you need to understand is that there is a God and we're not it. 
And sometimes that's very hard for us because we do want to do what you said. We, we're, we're afraid to allow vulnerability to come in. And so therefore we don't ask questions. Therefore we don't learn. And so what I, what I try to tell guys is that, look, you have, and part of that really honestly is, is a lack of confidence in their own selves right. and in their own uh, belief system. And what I tell people is that, you know, you, we have to be comfortable enough in who we are that we can allow other people to help us become even more. And that's just very difficult for people to do. Uh, and again, one of my chapters in the book is about asking the next or taking the next uncomfortable step. Yeah. And for guys, it may be vulnerability, right? Right. Admitting that you don't know everything in a particular area. And you think, you think that maybe the people that depend on you will see that as less of you, but most of the time people see that as more of you, right? That, Hey, you're, you're real too. And you have vulnerabilities, especially in your children as they become teenagers. Okay. And young adults, one of the things that we, I had to learn, it wasn't, certainly wasn't easy for me, but had to learn that children, while they want you to succeed and they need you to succeed, they need to know how you're going to act in disappointment and defeat. Mm. And, you know, I taught my children growing up that we're always congratulatory in defeat and gracious in victory. And it's easy for me to tell my kids that. But when I experienced defeat, I had to remember how was I going to react? I know how my carnal soul wanted to react, and that was be upset and be mad and blame somebody else. But then it remind, but I, it was reminded to me, and I'm sure it was God reminded me, hey, dude, you remember what you told your kids? Well, now it's your time to figure that out yourself. And, um, so when I lost my last election, um, I uh, I had to really, really dig down mm -hmm. and make sure that my kids saw me handle that in a way that they could take as an example and hopefully even do it better when they had their next defeat. Right. So important. So important because, I mean, anybody, you know, from a winning standpoint. That, that's that's the easier component to teach our children in, in the show. But when you when you face those moments of loss, this is what yeah. I, I do a lot of coaching with our with, with my kids. They play softball and basketball, all the things. Right. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so much more trying to just make them better people versus better players. You know, I mean, obviously, I want them to be better players. But at the end of yeah. the day, I want them just to be to leave that season at, just as a better person in general. And. I just appreciate you being so open, honest, and transparent there. I think that's what we're lacking so many, so much these days is just that transparency, that that vulnerability, that honestness. Yeah. That too many people. I think social media has completely destroyed so many ways that we that we look at people and we try to try to evaluate ourselves to others. That way, I I think now people gravitate toward those just like yourself who are actually open and transparent. Like you know what, I lost this election. It was not easy. Here's the struggles I had through it, but here's how I responded. I think when stories like that come out, that's what people resonate with. Well, I, you know, it's interesting, Chris, that you say that because the number one comment that I got on this book, and I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay, because I, I don't know why I didn't realize it might be that way. But the number one comment that I've gotten is. 
that I can't, even from people that are close to me, I can't believe how transparent that you were mm-hmm. about things that might have been struggles, right? And that was a really good, that, that made me feel good because I, I hope that that, like you said, social media has changed all that, but that people, people want to know about people real. They're up and they're right. down and they're whatever. And my whole deal was, Chris, that there's a lot of people out in the world that are like me, just come from a normal background, you know, nothing special, kind of middle class, probably lower middle class, 50% of people, uh, marriages end in divorce. So at least half the people have probably gone through what I went through with my parents. Uh, you know, people have uh, medical challenges in their family. You know, we have uh, Daniel with the challenges that he has. And then uh, we also, uh, you know, Lisa and I, people read the, the epilogue. Lisa and I both were diagnosed with cancer uh, about a year and a half ago. And things are going well. So, uh, but, you know, those things kind of just hit you sometimes. And how are you going to react to that? Right. Right. How are you going to react to that? That's that's what I want people to understand, that just because they didn't come with a silver spoon in their mouth or whatever, or super talented in athletics or anything like that, they can have a life that influences well beyond who they are. Absolutely. And I think maybe sometimes for our listeners, particularly on podcasts and things like this, you you hear a lot of guests and you compare yourself to the guests out there. Maybe take them back to your origin story, because when you when you start off in the book, you really talk about getting started. And and for me, as a as a man who's trying to build things and to do things on my own and, and, you know, versus the way that the world, you know, tells us we should do it. That that origin story of how you started out was just really impactful. And I think that would be something that I know a lot of our guys would probably resonate with because somebody of see like, well, you know, the Honorable Ron Simmons, you've done all these things in your career and Allie Beth is your daughter. You're like, of course, yeah. he's got to figure it out. But, man, when you go back to the very beginning, yeah, it was very That's that great. was a lot of raw, real transparency there. And I'd love for you just to share a little bit with that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Yeah. You know, my, uh, I was, my mom and I was, you know, I was second of four children. My mom and dad were uh, public school teachers and uh, my dad had some uh, ministry of mute, which they would call worship leader part-time in some churches and what have you. Right. And when I was a uh, teenager, uh, we lived in a little town called Junction City, Arkansas. And my mom and dad started having marital problems and ended up divorcing about my junior or senior year in college, right in that, I mean, in high school, in high so school. right in that time. Okay. Yeah, before high school, before yes, you high left, school. right. So I was like 16. Right. And 16 year old, you know, 16 year olds, it's a, it's a difficult time. You don't realize how difficult it is necessarily then because you think you've got all the answers. And I, I, in a small town too, everybody knew what was going on with my parents, right? Everybody knew it because they were, in the public eye a little bit as being school teachers because in small towns, almost everything revolves around the school and that's the way it was. And so everybody kind of knew it. And so internally it was embarrassing. I'm sure. I think I felt that way, but I, i masked that through, you know, trying to be confident and, and then, you know, probably being involved in some things I shouldn't have been involved in kind of sowing my oats type thing. And I also put it into sports, which actually ended up being helpful for me just yeah. from a confidence standpoint. Uh, but when I got out of high school, I didn't have anywhere to go. OK, I mean, my my dad had moved out. My mom 
was moving back to Baton Rouge to be close to more of her family. I mean, I could have gone and lived with her probably, but I, so at uh, 17, I just lived, started living on my own, you know, with a, with a friend in a garage apartment. I think it cost us $75 a month and we probably overpaid based on how it was. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so the, the thing though, that I did have that the Lord did bless me with is he did bless me with a, a, reasonably high degree of intelligence. So I, I could think about things, okay, and I could figure things out. Um, and I had been saved as, an, as a young boy, so I did know what was right and wrong. I didn't always follow it, but I did know it. And, and when I would go down the wrong path, it did always convict me. It didn't necessarily stop me, but it convicted <laughs> right, me. So right. there was something in the back of me that that knew that. And so you know, I just, I, I knew I, my mom and dad had gone to college. They were the first ones in their families to go to college. And I, so I always knew I'd go to college. My brother had gone to college. He was older than me. And so that was, that was something they instilled in me. And my mom and dad were good people. They just, you know, got into a challenge and, you know, whatever. And so I did start going to a junior college, you know, just kind of uh, paying uh, my way as I could. Uh, and trying to, at the time you could get some student loans and I did a little bit of that and, and what have you. And then, and then though, I got a break through sports actually, as I was playing on a softball team mm -hmm. and one of the guys on the softball team's wives worked at a company called Murphy Oil, which everybody knew because Murphy was in the big city of El Dorado, which was 20,000 people. And that was kind of where we went to town, right? If right. we lived in Junction City with a thousand people. So there were city folks that lived up there. And uh, and I got uh, the she said, well, hey, uh, if you're interested, Murphy's hiring in their mailroom, which I, I honestly, I probably didn't even know what that was. Right. Exactly. Because I was working at a grocery store, uh, you know, delivering groceries. And Lisa and I had met. We met and uh, as as freshmen in college, she she was from El Dorado. So she was a city girl. And uh, we had two classes together, biology and psychology, and both of them eventually worked for us. So that was good <laughs> in the long run. And uh, and so we uh, so I said, OK, well, I just I just want to make money, you know. And also Murphy had a deal where if you uh, made a level B or higher, in other words, in the grades, then they would pay for two thirds of your tuition in books. There you go. And I felt I could do that. So I applied for the job at Murphy. And got it. And literally, we were in the basement of the building. So talk about on the bottom floor. Uh, I think I made $500 a month full time. It was a full time job and I went to school at night. And then, uh, you know, at Murphy uh, back then, it, it would be like uh, being on Indeed or something like that now or some job posting yeah. site. They actually, though, before the Internet, believe it or not, out there, kids, they put them on an actual cork bulletin board, there little slips of paper about different jobs, right? Well, any job that was posted on that board was better than mine as far as money was. So any job that I felt didn't require a specific college degree, like petroleum engineer, right. anything else I would apply for, Yeah, you know, because what the heck? And uh, I applied for a job in uh, human resources we called it employee benefits back then, but human resources um, and got the job. 
Now, the interesting thing was the reason I got the job had nothing to do with my ability. Mm-hmm. The reason I got the job was when I was in the mailroom, I wrote a letter asking Murphy to sponsor a softball team. And I went and met with the vice president who was in charge of that, who I thought was ancient, but he's probably 40 years old, right? right and I was right. 20. I was 20. And he happened to be in charge of, of several departments in the company, which I didn't even really know. I just knew his name was Mr. Smith. And one of those was HR. And so after I got hired into HR in the employee benefit area, my immediate boss told me, well, hey, the reason that I even spoke to you is because Mr. Smith remembered you writing that letter and meeting with him and said, do not make your decision until you talk to Ron Simmons. Mm. So the point in that is you never know the impressions that you're making. Right. Okay. And I'm sure that Mr. Smith saw me as probably a, you know, maybe a little, certainly not polished, put it that way, but he saw something in me or the Lord put something in his heart that, that said, Hey, this guy has got potential, right? He's got some potential. Right. And I happened to be uh, just there in a time in, in HR where things were really changing in that area of work. There was a there's a new law that had gone into place called ERISA, which was causing a lot of disruption. And I was able to learn kind of from the bottom up. And I had a boss, Richard Lewis, who took me under his wing. And he was very hard on me. He 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 was he, I, he was hard on me like a father would be on a son in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. And that he wanted me to improve, right? He he would make fun in a sense of me uh, because I didn't have my shoes polished. Of course, back then, now you had to wear a suit and tie to work. I know people may not equate to that, but, you know, and, and so well, even though he was making fun of me, he probably could have done it in a better way. It did drive me to be better. Yeah. Now, it made my wife mad, right? <laughs> and, and that's a good point, too. You don't have to go home and tell your wife every single thing, right? That, that she, it doesn't matter that she couldn't do anything about it anyway. It just made her mad. I shouldn't have done that. I should have dealt with that on my own, like polish your own dang shoes. Right. Right. And, and move on. So, um, it was just a, it was a, it was a great experience for me that I, and I still didn't have my degree. I mean, I squeezed four years of college into 10, Chris. So it took a while to get to, to get going for me. Well, let's take a quick break, guys, and we'll be right back. Let's, we'll keep unpacking this further. Are you ready to unlock your true potential? Introducing 30 Days to Unleash the Lion Within, a revolutionary series that will transform you into the leader God intends you to be. In just 30 days, you'll embark on a journey of self-discovery and growth. This free resource offers a series of messages, each packed with proven methods to simplify and apply God's word to your life. Inside this series, you'll find practical strategies to unleash your leadership potential. You need to learn how to harness the power of God's wisdom and apply it to your everyday decisions. Discover how to lead with integrity, inspire others, and make a lasting impact. But this just isn't another series. It's a transformative experience that will help you find your purpose, ignite your passion, and unleash the lion within. So visit thelionwithin.us forward slash unleash to claim your free copy of this series. Don't wait any longer. 
Visit alignwithin.us forward slash unleash and become the leader God intends you to be. So, Ron, I mean, powerful story right there. Definitely no silver spoon whatsoever handed to you. You, you had to work literally from the bottom up. Maybe walk us through because it sounds like the process of learning, mentors, relationships, that they were always kind of like in your purview. They were always areas that, that you focused on to con- to keep growing into the roles and ultimately the CEO roles that you had. So give us some insight there. How how did that, you know, launch and take point? Obviously, you had that one mentor that challenged your your dress and you think that yeah. you did it work, but sounds like it it all helped you grow as a leader. Well, it's interesting because I believe because of my relationship at that time in my life with my dad was was limited. I something inside of me knew that I needed to seek other people out, male kind of role model type things. And so I I, I I would, you know, I would seek that out. And and that's how Richard, even though he was my boss, you know, you can be a boss and not a mentor. Richard wasn't only my boss. He was my mentor as well. Right. And and that's a that's a big difference. He took interest in me and I, and I aggressively sought that. So but I did get to a point in time at Murphy. And again, the longer I was there, the more my confidence was building. Now, I was 24 years old, still trying to finish my degree. We had two kids. And I looked up one day and said, you know what? My last name is not Murphy. So therefore, there is a ceiling on probably how far I can go in this company. And I wanted to go as far as I could in any company. And I started began looking for other opportunities outside of El Dorado. And uh, we, we had one person that I knew in Dallas that used to work at Murphy. And uh, this lady would send Lisa and I uh, you know, ideas for like out of the newspaper, you know, classified ad jobs. And so I applied for a job at a bank in Dallas in their trust department, uh, which would deal with similar things that I was dealing with investments and right. retirements and things like that and got the job. But when I went back to tell Murphy that I, that I got the job, they wanted to match, you know, they wanted to match the salary and all that. And something inside of me, uh, just said, you know, if, if I was worth that much today, why well, wasn't I worth that much yesterday? And Amen. so it kind of irritated me. And so I said, we're, we're gone. And Lisa was really nervous. She had never lived anywhere else. We had brand new, we had a three, three year old and a brand new baby of two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was a big, uh, it was a big move. But again, through my disappointment and them not recognizing me compensation wise, the Lord brought on the next blessing. And the, and the point of that is, if you focus too much on your disappointment, you're going to miss the next blessing. So we get to, we get to um, Dallas, and, and it was a time in the mid-80s where things were changing from old wealth to new wealth. And it just so happened that I worked at a bank that was where a lot of the newer wealth people were coming in to utilize the banking services. And so I got to meet individually people that were up and comers in Dallas. Right. And again, I'm 25 years old now, 24, 25. Don't yet have my college degree. So I don't come from a hick town in Arkansas. I don't have a lot going for me, but the Lord did lay out the past. Right. Right. And I was willing to, even though I knew all that and I was probably, uh, 
self-conscious about those things, you know, I was still willing to take the risk of getting in front of people that were much more accomplished than me. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't do that, Chris. Mm-hmm. I think that they, well, he's not going to want to, he's not going to listen to me. I, he, I don't have a degree. I come from this small town. He's, you know, he went to SMU or went to UT, you know, whatever the thing was. But for, but I, my number one driver was I didn't want to, I didn't want to live in financial mediocrity. So I needed to do something. I didn't have anybody else that was going to help me get there. Lisa's, Lisa's mom had died. Uh, her dad, uh, we just had a regular job. My mom and dad were, you know, at, at, on their deals. And I had younger brother and sister that they were having to focus on. So I had to do it. I mean, I, I had to do it. And the Lord just really, he put some people in front of me that became lifelong friends to this day, but also opportunities. So, so when I stayed at the bank and, uh, and then, I I was approached by some people I'd met through the bank about starting a uh, a private trust company, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't have any banking powers, just have trust powers. And I said, sure, that sounds yeah. Let's. Enter. I, I was kind of getting an entrepreneur spirit at that time. I'd been around several entrepreneurs, and um, they said, you know, we're gonna you can have ten percent of the company, and uh, you'll be head of sales and marketing, and and. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to focus on trying to get a smaller company, have their own pension plans and uh, work with them because the big banks and big investment companies don't know them. So we started, uh, we started a company and uh, we were, we were working with an an investment person outside of our company that was going to help us manage the money. And, um, we were meeting with them and they happened to be a subsidiary of American airlines. Mm-hmm. And so we're ending up the meeting and this gentleman named Bill Quinn says, well, look, we, we, we know y'all are working with small companies, kind of institutions, but we have a few retired pilots that want to invest with us, but we're not really equipped to handle individuals. Would y'all work with them? Cause they need some estate planning and, you know, handholding, things like that. And we said, well, you know, that's not our main driver, but we'll do it. So he gave me a list of four names. I called him. I went to meet with the first guy southwest of Fort Worth. And the guy comes to the door, name is Bob Wilson, opens the door, and he looks like Santa Claus. I mean, he's got this huge white beard. Nothing anything you'd think about being a pilot, right? Right. And and uh, so he, I sit down with him, and, and when when – Pilots from American Airlines retired. They got all of their pension in one lump sum check. It wasn't a monthly check. It was one one lump sum, which they could put into an individual retirement account, an IRA, and defer taxes. But somebody needed to invest that for them because they were not investment experts. The old saying is you never fly with a doctor or invest with a pilot because both of them will kill you. So be careful about that. Uh, but, and so anyway, I'm going through him and Mr. Wilson said, you know, I just want the people that help make this money for me to continue to, to oversee it. And, and through us, we could make that happen. And I said, okay, that we can, this, we can help you out, do that. And we can do some estate planning for you. And, you know, it's fine. No big deal. Still wasn't our focus. So I'm getting ready to leave the meeting. All right. And, and Mr. Wilson said, Hey, Ron, I got something you might be interested in. And he comes back, he goes to the back of his house, comes back, and he gives me these, I don't know, probably seven, eight sheets of paper typed on it. 
and it's 1,500 other people just like him with their names, addresses, and phone numbers. And it was one of those moments, and I haven't had many of these, Chris, but one of those moments that I knew right then what business I was going to be in forever. And so I go back and I tell the people at the company about this and they're like, well, yeah, you can dabble in that. But we really, this is our focus right here, right? We're on the small company pension plans. That has been our dream. And we did it for about a year and I could see this pilot thing being the thing, right? And they never, they just wasn't, that wasn't their deal. So uh, we agreed to part ways and I started my own company with some other investors and partners called Retirement Advisors of America. And we spent the next 30 years uh, calling on retiring pilots from American and other airlines. And um, I was one of the co-founders and we sold it at the end of 19 and we had $3 billion under management. And it was just one at a time, you know, and there were, of course, lots of times around there where you are we doing the right thing? You know, all those types of things. But that's how we got going. And every step along the way was pretty uncomfortable, right? Leaving a leaving a company that was paying me a pretty good salary and starting on my own. Uh, you know, it was but but I will tell you, I never felt like that if the company didn't succeed, that I couldn't provide for my family, right? Mm -hmm. I always felt like, okay, well, I can always go get a job and do something to provide for my family. But it was just a, a unique opportunity. And I had people along the way, Mr. Quinn, who was the gentleman at American Airlines, he and I are still friends today. In fact, he and I serve on a board of directors together. Uh, and uh, for another company, so it it was a it was just a very interesting journey, and and uh, you know I was willing to I was able to you know have a significant share ownership share in that company that you know obviously has been a blessing for my family. Right, but I mean you recognize that moment with uh, the gentleman who looked like Santa Claus. That was a, a pivot point for you, right? No I question. mean, I mean that was a point, a crucial point. I think too many times. Maybe we just downplay those or we or we, we miss them because we're not willing to be uncomfortable because you took that meeting mm -hmm. that really wasn't in your niche, really wasn't what you guys are doing. But because of your your obedience to, to follow through, man, God blessed you. I mean, he blessed you in that, oh, yeah. that, that moment tremendously. And, you know, too, Chris, when you're when you're doing something like that. Every all along this journey, there would be people, well-intended people, by the way, mm -hmm. that would come to you and say, well, Hey, you're doing, you guys are doing so great in this over here. Why don't you also do this over here? Mm -hmm. Right. And I just totally resisted changing our focus. Remember, just it, 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 the hardest, the hardest decisions are not between good and bad. It's between good and better. Right. And it wasn't what they were t asking mm -hmm. me or, or proposing to me was bad. It was good. But I had to decide, and my partners and I had to decide, which was better. And that takes courage as well, because you, you know, and, and I'm not saying we got it right every time. We probably didn't. But it, it, it kept our focus where we needed to be. And that was really, really important. Do you think that was because you had a pretty good vision of where you were 
we're, we're ultimately headed or where you're trying to go. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make the connection because I teach about vision within the line within us as well and the importance of that and how many times we just, we're just floating along. We're never really yeah. focused on anything. Oh, I, I don't think there's any question, Chris. That's, that's the reason I, I, you know, and it was, it was unique mm-hmm. in that we knew who the people were. We knew when they were going to retire because there's mandatory retirement, right? Mm-hmm. And we knew how many they were. Now, it didn't mean they would do all do business with us, and they all didn't. Right. They, you know, there were other people. But so it, I was able to keep a very tunnel vision, focused vision on until we have talked to the very last retiring pilot on earth. I don't think we should get outside of that niche. Right. And, and it was so I, I encourage people, everything will always be that clear, but I encourage people to really tunnel in on what your vision is. I also encourage people to not make if you're an entrepreneur, don't make the company about you. See, uh, I, I could have named it Simmons, you know, Robertson and, you know, Mills, right, which were partners of ours. But I knew if I did that, it, it would be more like a jail you know, than a hotel right? where you, you can't get out. It's like your podcast. Your podcast is the lion within. It's not Chris, Chris right. show, right? Right. You could have done Chris show, whatever, maybe just, business. but I just, you, you just, I, and I think God blessed us and blessed me for not making it about me because mm-hmm. I wanted to be able, I brought in the first $400 million of assets, but I knew that if it was, if my name was on it, that I would be tied to that forever. And I wanted, not only did I want financial security, I wanted financial flexibility because I knew there were things, Chris, I didn't know what they were, but I knew there were things that were much more influential in life than business. Mm. But I would never be satisfied in doing those without knowing that my family was secure, mm-hmm. right? That was really, really important to me. And um, and so that's kind of how I led my or was led down this path. That's that's so brilliant. I mean, it, and it's it speaks to humility as well, guys. I mean, if everything has to be about you, that's one reason you brought up. The, it's called the line within us. I tell people all the time, this is not the line within Chris. Like I want right. to do. I, I'm just a, I'm serving here, but I'm trying to build something bigger, bigger for the kingdom and make the uh, the, the ultimate impact. Yeah. And I just think there's so much when you ha- have that clear vision. Because we have stuff that comes to us too, Ron. I mean, not not four hundred million dollar deals like 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 you had there, but we have things come, and I always put it to the test. All right, is this aligning to the people we're trying to serve? And and because we have a lot of uh, guests that get pitched to us and things like that, and I have to say no sometimes because if it's not yeah. aligning to helping the the people that that we're serving be the leader God intends them to be, it, it it's just, it doesn't you know, check that box. And I think too easy, we can get distracted by that little shiny thing. And next thing you know, we're chasing this or we're chasing that. And then when you try to be good at everything, you're never good at anything. So I just think there's so much wisdom in what you shared there. Well, and I just, you know, I appreciate the people along the way for me. God put us, you know, when we first moved to Dallas, we were both small town people, but I told Lisa before we moved, I said, sweetheart, I, I, when we moved to Dallas, we're going to go to First Baptist Dallas. And she's like, are you crazy? That is huge. And because I'd always heard about First Baptist Dallas and I'd heard about Dr. Chriswell and my family had been Baptist for 300 years, which 
John Maxwell tells me that's something, you know, I need to get over, but that's the way it is. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and, and so it's so funny because we're, we're in this little rent house that the bank had rented us, right? The bank had rented us a rent house close to the bank. They had owned some property and they rented us till we found a place that we could buy. And, um, one Sunday morning, I'm not at home. I'm back in Arkansas playing softball with my buddies. I, and Lisa's there in Dallas. This is how stupid I was. Left her with a three-year-old and a, you know, maybe three-month-old. And because uh, I'm out, still can't let that go, you know. And Lisa gets a knock on the door one Sunday morning. And it's two elderly ladies from First Baptist Dallas. Just by happenstance. Uh-huh. We hadn't called, we hadn't been down there. We hadn't called and done anything. But what they would do is they would go to early service and then they would go out and knock on doors of new people that had moved into town. However, they, I don't know how they find that out, but however they found that out. And because they knew if they got them at home on Sunday morning, they weren't at church. Right. Right. And so, so they, you know, they've met with Lisa and visited with her. And then the next night, uh, Monday night used to have Monday night visitation and uh, a young couple. And two young couples showed up at our house and those, they invited us to church and those people are friends still to this day. And that's 30, 38 years ago. Right. And so we went to first Baptist, which is huge. So that's kind of before most of the mega churches were what they are now. And we, but what they did is they, they put you in a, actually a pretty small group, right. In, right. in what we would call Sunday school at the time, we call it different things this time. And so it was probably only 10 or 15 couples. And, but those couples became the foundation for our, um, friend group and our, you know, support group there in Dallas. And again, many of them are still our friends today. I mean, God led me to my, uh, attorney. Okay. My CPA, my insurance and my business partners all through that one connection there and it just kept being it just kept being affirmed that we were in the right place and uh, we st- I still made a bunch of mistakes okay right. so people don't don't think that I made a bunch of mistakes and, and probably you know could have influenced much better but uh we were continuing to be affirmed that we were in the right place and that God had us where he needed us at that time amen to that hey guys let's take our last break we'll be right back We have a resource that allows you to test how strong of a Christian leader you are. We designed a short quiz so you can see for yourself how prepared you are for the battle. Don't worry, it's multiple choice and it's a lot of fun. So to access this free resource, visit thelionwithin.us slash quiz. That's thelionwithin.us slash quiz and see if you are ready to unleash the lion within. Now, Ron, you mentioned that that the, the ladies who showed up and they talked to your wife and they invited her to church. And I mean, it just seems like such a simple way to, to do evangelism and to go out and, and share and to, to yeah. love on others. But I just don't see that happening. I'm curious. What, what do you think we could, should, could be doing differently, particularly as Christian men, as leaders, to really do that, yeah. to be the hands and feet of Christ, to get out there and to invite others to service or to invite others to a fellowship? I mean, do you, do you see it having to be some big drawn out thing or to me that just seems like a very simple path that they were taking that made a huge impact on you and your life 
No, you know, somebody somebody told me this one time is that you you have to you have to build a relationship in order to be in order to be able to have people believe in you, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so I think what we if we if we overfocus on what words I'm going to say mm-hmm. in my walk with other people then we're probably going to, the devil's going to always be working on us saying, Hey, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. If we will focus on building a relationship with treating people kindly, then I really believe that when the time is right to open up the opportunity to talk to them about faith, then I just believe that the words are there. And, and maybe it's not your words. Maybe it's simply, you, hey, why don't you, you were having this event at our church. Why don't you come go with us? It'd be great fun. Like we have a big fall festival, you know, at our church. Right. Inviting them to this movie you and I were talking about before we came on that Bill Roberts and his group, they're doing the blind. If people yep. haven't seen that, listen, you've got hunter friends, you've got sports friends. This is the movie to take them to. And the movie will do the work. Okay. Right. right. Just, just take, this is one of the greatest stories of redemption that I think you'll ever see. And uh, and it's by a guy that's a guy's guy, right? He's a he's a he's a guy's guy. He didn't nothing special about him uh, as far as his family and all that type of stuff. But man, what a what a great story! So I think that's I think that's how God works. But what happened, Chris, is that when we and it started with social media because you could think you were interacting with people and you weren't being real. All right, right. And there are some good things about it for sure, but it, then it got it got amplified with COVID. Mm. Right. And we became isolationist and we've remained isolationist since then. Companies have gone to, you know, work from home or hybrid work. And it's funny. I was just uh, meeting our Daniel. uh, uh, We utilize a psychiatrist with him to help him process things. And the psychiatrist also has uh, clients that have uh, like uh, substance abuse addictions that he works with and helps with. And he told us during COVID how bad that got, right, because of loneliness. And I asked him the other day, because Lisa and I meet with him a couple times a year. And I said, has that gotten better? And he said, no, it's actually gotten worse, that people have continued to isolate. And the people that do have addictions, it's continued to just absolutely get worse and worse. And so I believe that's happened in Christian society as well. And that's that's why we don't feel connected with people as much as we should and and I think we just have to force ourselves to go back to to include some good old fashioned connection instead of you know instead of you know talking over the phone or having a, a you know a, a different type of communication get together right just mm-hmm. we just need to get together with people more and not just our own family but other people as well I, I still know people to this day who use COVID as the excuse why they haven't gone back church and, know, and it's just and I'm like well wait a minute now if that was really a priority you know yeah. or is this now just become convenient you know and that's the yeah, new way i know i know and it's and i get you can listen to the message all that it's not about that it's right. not about listening to the message it's about the people that you're associating with right. right that's really what it's about so that's right you know and i tell people all the time the church is not the building the building itself could burn to the ground the church is the people I mean, that is it. So it's just if you're, you're missing that opportunity to plug into a body, you know, Christ tells us about that. And we, we, we know the importance of being connected to a body. So 
Uh, just a just a great reminders right there. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm, I am yeah. curious before we we wrap up here at the end. So John Maxwell is, he wrote the forward. Really enjoyed that. You you mentioned he's spoke a lot into your life. How'd you guys get? How did you guys meet? You know, we got connected through. He has this um, uh, event once a year called, and I'd read some of his books just as kind of like probably you have, and an event uh, called Exchange, and mm-hmm. it's a small group of people, maybe a hundred people or so that he does different kind of two or three day leadership, intensive leadership training with him and some other people he brings in. And I went to one of those in Atlanta. Gosh, it's been a long time ago now. And he would, right as we were, it was about lunchtime, he was wrapping up a session and he said, uh, for those of you that want to know more about um, some, some nonprofit things I'm doing, you know, I'm a person of faith. Uh, you know, grab your sandwich or whatever they were, were having and come into the next room and I'll, I'll share with you what I'm doing. And not everybody, but a fair number of people did that. I did that because I was interested in that. And uh, he go he st- begins talking about this organization called Equip. And Equip was all about developing leaders around the world based on biblical principles, which makes sense. I'm totally fine with that. But that didn't that in itself wasn't it. It's that when he started talking about what they were trying to do around the world and what his heart was, that's what got me. Because I knew that that while John really did want to help people in leadership and business and whatever it was in their life, his heart was about bringing people to Christ and discipling them through Christ and grow in the kingdom. And that's really what got to me. So like I had done many other times, you know, I said, well, you know, I'm going to see if I can get to know this guy. Yeah. So I just, you know, I just got to know him. I spent some time with him there. Um, and then I became an associate trainer and traveled to Romania a couple of times and did teaching for him and South Africa and Brazil. I was at a point in my life where I could do that uh, time wise. And, you know, he I don't you know, I'm sure the Lord put something on his heart because a lot of people that do that. But we just developed a personal friendship and relationship and our wives have developed the same thing. We have he has a home in Western North Carolina as well. So uh, you know, I, I asked him if he would mentor me and, uh, he has done that and continues to do that. And, you know, sometimes it's not pleasant because sometimes he has to tell me things I don't really want to hear. Yeah. Like when, after I lost my race, I was really thinking about, okay, what do we like? You know, when we lose, what do men want to do? We want to go back and get it back, right? We want to, we want to revenge and right. it back. And so if I was really thinking about running again and, and he looked at me. And he said, Ron, you did great when you were in public service. You did a really good job and all that type of stuff. But that's where God had you. And why in the world would you want to do that again? Don't keep focusing on the past. Where is the future? And man, that just, I didn't like to hear that, but it became so clear and so peaceful to me yeah. at that point in time. It was just, it was, it was one of those, another great inflection point. The other thing that's cool about my book, especially if you get the audio version, uh-huh. is that Ronald Reagan reads part of my book. Oh, wow. How many people could say that? 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll leave it there, but you'll have to you'll have to figure that out. That's right. I have to figure that out because I I have the hard copy, so you guys have to go get the audio version too. So yeah, it's good. It's good, and you can get it on Audible, and you get the book anywhere books are yeah. sold, and they can reach me. Uh, my website's ronsimmons.com and email me ron at ronsimmons.com. So yeah, love to. I love to visit with people. I've had a lot of people email me and tell me about their scenarios and and. Uh, you know, ask questions and things like that. I love, I love doing that. I love it. I love it. Well, before we go wrap up, let's do a quick lightning round at the end. We always do this on the line with Dennis. We oh, call good. it, we call it yeah. feeding time. So if you're willing to play Ron, we'll jump right in. I'll do it. All let's right. do it. But what's your, we'll start easy. What's your favorite hobby? Golf. You're a golfer. Okay. Now do you still play yeah. softball? Nope. Too old. <laughs> too old. Okay. The, the softball days, you can hit the links though. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. What about you? What's your favorite food? Well, it used to be steak, but Lisa and I are on this vegan path with our health and what have you. Yeah. Okay. So right now I would say pasta. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I did yeah. read that where you said in your, I think it was towards the end of your book where you said she yeah. went, she completely revamped she her diet. In, yeah. I mean, it's been really good too. Yeah. That is amazing. That is amazing. So what's your uh, all time favorite sports team? Razorbacks. Okay, there you go. There you yeah. go. All yeah, right. I grew up in Arkansas. Didn't go to school there, but you know, gotta support the hogs. There you go. There you go. So now, how about this one? When you think about God, what is your favorite thing that comes to mind uh, when you think about Him? Service. 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 Okay. Yeah. What about Just serving? Serving. Amen to that. Amen to that. What about? Let's flip it one eighty. What's your least favorite thing about Satan? Uh. Temptation, mm. you know, the ability to use our carnal self to drive us away from God. He doesn't, he doesn't care about us driving towards him. He just wants us away from God, mm. our relationship with God. That's so true. So true. When you think about the last 12 months, what did you spend too much time doing? What did I spend too much time? Do? Oh, I know what I spent too much time doing. Worrying about remodeling our house. <laughs> That's what I spent too much time doing, but we we did it. But it was much more time consuming than I wanted to. Okay, okay. How about any habits? Have you ha have you got any new habits that you started lately, or something that you want to start? We always try to give guys tips and ideas just to improve. This could be you know a personal habit or professional or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But just love to know any habits that you tried that you getting value out of. Well, this is this is something and I'm embarrassed that it's relatively new, although it's, it's probably been a year for us now, uh -huh. is uh, the habit of being in a group Bible study with my wife. OK. We've never done that before in 44 years of marriage, but we are in a group Bible study. Actually, we do it on Zoom because there are people are from around the country. Yeah. Uh, and it's and uh, it's called community Bible study, and uh, that has been probably the the most satisfaction of anything I've done in the last year or two. Oh wow! So you, is it a, a once a week type setting? Once a week, yeah, on Wednesday night, and you know, there's a book that you go through, and you know, we're like right now we're studying Samuel, and uh, she she does her answers, I do mine during the week, and then we get together and. And uh, we're on Zoom with other couples, about eight other couples that all have a connection some way or another, right? Yeah. And it's really, it's been really, really good. 
it's, it's enjoyable. It's kind of fun. It's, you know, open discussion. But and I think with Lisa and I, that's helped. That's been good for us, too. I love it. I love it. When anytime you're in a word together, particularly as a couple, it's just it's, you're strengthening that marriage so much. So, keep, yeah, and keep. you know, when you're when Lisa and I've been married, we I was 19. She was 20. I tell people, you know, being from Arkansas, you got to get the fourth cousins early because if you get stuck with the first cousin, there's some real issues. Right. So we've been married 40, almost 44 years. And your marriage goes through different phases. OK. Mm-hmm. And different different, different points of intimacy. Okay. And I'm talking about overall intimacy, sure. not just physical. And you have to continue to look for how can I be create new intimacy with my spouse? And believe it or not, this Bible study has created a emotional, spiritual enhancement of intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Just as, just as two people. All right. And I, it's so easy to get going off in your different directions, mm-hmm. but you need to have something that always brings you back. Amen to that. And I spent a lot of time trying to encourage guys to think about that spiritual intimacy that ultimately we can have. And I mean, that, that connection with our spouse, when you get that connection on the spiritual level, uh, it blows anything from a physical standpoint out the way. So it's uh, yeah, definitely encourage you to keep going there. So last question for you, Ron, what's one thing you hope the, the listeners out there remember most about our conversation today? I, I just, I hope they remember that whatever that they're going through, that there are, there's more than one part of the wagon and to make sure that you are looking at yourself openly, honestly, transparently, and that you're, you are, Picking the part of the wagon at the different areas of your life that you really need to be in. Amen to that. And I know you've already mentioned it once, but mention it one more time for our listeners. Where can they connect with you? Where should they go buy the book? Where, where for resources and things like that? I want yeah. to make sure they well, know. They can go. connect with me on my website, ronsimmons.com. I'm also on Facebook and and uh, uh, what uh, what do they call it? X, Twitter, LinkedIn. You know, all uh-huh. those things. And then, but they can buy the book through Amazon or any other place. They can actually get it off my website as well and through Audible for the audio version uh, to hear John Maxwell, Ron Reagan, and Ron Simmons speak a little bit on that. But I'd love to hear from anybody because I'm happy to help answer questions business wise, any other wise where I can help. If I can't answer them, I'll try to lead you to someone that can. Amen. And guys, make sure to check the, the show notes. We'll have links to all those resources for you. And Ron, is there anything else you'd like to share today on the line with Dennis? No, I just appreciate what you're doing too, Chris. It's, I'm so impressed with what people do that, you know, the ideas that God puts in their heart and they act on them. Many times God puts ideas in people's hearts that aren't acted on. Mm. And I'm so pleased that you acted on when this was laid on your heart. Yes, sir. It has been an honor to meet you, sir. And thank you so much for sharing your story. You as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, guys, I told you you were going to enjoy that one. Ron was just a phenomenal guest. I really enjoyed having him, hearing his story, having him unpack some of those specific areas uh, in, along his journey that I know is just going to make such an impact for us as we lean into it. And uh, I, I really, when he talked about you know, as leaders, particularly Christian leaders, we usually can figure out the good, good versus bad decisions, right? The, those ones, you know, they're easy. They're not necessarily easy, but they should be more clearer for us. The truck, the trick is the good to better, making the decisions from good to better. And that's where it takes wisdom. It takes discernment. It takes counsel. It takes 
prayer, fellas, and soaking all these wisdom, these ideas to grow as that leader God has called you to be. So I highly encourage you to go check out all the things Ron just talks about, the things he's trying to do, the things he's trying to serve others with. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with him. If you know a, a fellow business leader out there that could would, would value a conversation like this, share this episode out, okay? And I want you to think also as you move throughout this week, how can you yourself right now, you selflessly serve others to grow as a leader? That's what it's all about. It's not about trying to improve just to, to, to make yourself look better, but how can you selflessly, not, not having any motive other than truly wanting to serve others, how's that going to help you grow as a leader? Because it will. Because I'm telling you, when we started the line within us, it's all about helping Christian men be the leaders God intends them to be. And everything that we, that we think about, everything that we build, everything that we test, we, we put up against that. And if it doesn't help us do that, we're not going to do it. We're just not going to. We're, we're, we're going to focus on the goal, the goal that, that God has laid out. We need stronger Christian men stepping up in our community, stepping up in our churches, stepping up in our, in our businesses, stepping up in our homes, and just taking the leadership opportunities that God presents us. So when we have conversations like this with people like Ron. Guys, learn from it. Take, it, take that moment while you're, for, to keep Ron's analogy, and sit in the wagon while you're listening to this podcast. Sit in the wagon. Learn. And then think. And then once you have all this thing, this knowledge, apply. Go put it into work. Be doers of the word, guys. That's what it's all about. All right, fellas, well, give us a rating and review. That would help for sure. If you haven't read a, wrote a, a review yet, please, seriously, it's two sentences. Just give us that. The, the, the algorithms like it. I don't know how it works, guys. I'm just telling you, it really does matter. Head over to thelionwithin.us. Check out all our resources there. Obviously, we have our community. And we have our summit leadership development. So if you're trying to figure out how you can take this thing called leadership from a from from the from what God's called you to and your and your career and your house and your home and bring them all together to quit being three different people or two different people, or whatever it is, but bring it all under one umbrella. That is what the summit leadership development is all about. Okay. Again, it's not summit leadership training, it's development. We are developing leaders each and every day. All right, guys, again. Get all those resources at thelionwithan.us. Check it out there. Come back on Friday. We're going to have some good fun Friday tips for you. A couple of dad jokes that I think will get you going, and we'll have just a good time going into your weekend. So get after, fellas. Have a great day. And remember, keep unleashing the lion within.